Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, checking in to let you know that your usual schedule calls for an episode with John Colosimo, but we are unable to do that. John had a scheduling conflict, so we are just simply going to flip around, and your Saturday episode is usually the Behind Enemy Lines episode. We're going to put that up today with Kimmy Cusick, a great episode, really, really good stuff here from him, and then we will have John record to, uh, on Friday night for a Saturday episode before we get to our Sunday stuff. So just wanted to let you know, a little schedule hiccup, but I think you're going to enjoy this episode. Let's get to it right now. Hey everybody, welcome into your weekend edition of the OBR Film Breakdown, and that means we are going behind enemy lines, previewing your opponent for the following Sunday, and we finally get into some of these meaningful, and I don't mean to be offensive to Pittsburgh, but I don't really take them all too serious this year as they're in a transitional state. I view the Ravens and the Bengals as the most important AFC North teams the Browns will play this year, and they get them back-to-back weeks in huge games, and this starts with the Ravens, which have presented the Browns with many problems over the years. They've played them tough in recent memory, and I think this could be another tough one for both sides come Sunday, despite some of the frustrations for both teams the previous week. And when we talk Ravens, I turn to one person all the time, Kim McCusick. You know Ken. He's been on my show. I've been on his show. We just recorded earlier this week for his show. Check that out if you would like more of a Browns perspective. And we just had some fun conversation baked into all of that. Ken, how are you, man? Thanks for joining. Life's good, Jake. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. We're we're getting a chance to talk football, and in the middle of a work day, I th- I find that to be a pretty enjoyable thing. So, um, we're recording this. When are we recording it? Thursday about midday. So, um, things could obviously change by the time you listen to this, but we'll try to update you on everything that's going on around the Ravens and uh, anything that's uh, tantamount to the Browns as well. So, Ken is at Film Study Ravens. If you're not following me, should be one of the better follows. You know, I don't know if you like having opposing franchise information on your timeline but if you're going to follow anybody covering the ravens talking about the ravens this is the route to go so ken we'll dig in man we'll jump right into this thing who in your opinion like give me your state of the ravens let's put it that way so we're six games into this thing how are things shaping up this year yeah obviously very frustrating three and three team uh they've, they've played very well by a number of measures devoa they're doing extremely well offense uh passing rushing they're good uh, the Ravens have uh, what appears to be a lot of challenges on defense right now, not too dissimilar to the to the Cleveland Browns, obviously. Uh, in terms of uh, what has not worked out, they've blown leads of 21, 17, 10, and 10 in four of the six games so far. So uh, that, that's not going to cut it, and it's so un-Ravens-like. We are just throwing our arms up here. Uh, in, in week six, they went to the Meadowlands. Uh, they actually dominated the game against the Giants, if you look at it, 7.0 yards per offensive play versus 3.8. Uh, the defense played very well. The defense stopped uh, Saquon Barkley effectively, but the uh, uh, they could not come out with a week. They uh, come out with a win. They made some late mistakes, gave away some short fields, and lost the game 24 to 20. So uh, it's it's very frustrating right now. And, and, of course, any number of consecutive losses immediately gets a lot of people saying, Harbaugh's got to be fired. The DC's got to be fired. The OC's got to be fired, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't really think it's any of those things. I think there's, there's been a lot of execution problems. Yeah, the NFL, the margin for error is so thin. It's just the week to these games are closer than ever. They're closer than ever. And I think it's good for Browns fans. Refreshing to hear that other franchises also who have successful long-term head coaches also get uh, 
told that they should uh, be without a job. It's just knee-jerk reaction stuff. It is fanatical. That's what it is. But nonetheless, it's always refreshing to hear that maybe Cleveland's not the only place calling for jobs to be uh, to be removed. But anyway, I want to talk – I think the big thing here is defense. And, and, and you mentioned uh, that the defense has been maybe not up to standard. Talk, talk about the, the change. They went to uh, a new D.C. this year. Talk, talk a little bit about that D.C. change. And we'll dig into positions later, but just how collectively the issues have been on that side. Yeah, he. Um, I, I. I mean, I think he's feeling his way around a little bit. The the uh, off season talk was exceptionally good. That you know he was going to make all the players understand what was going on in the defense in general, what they were trying to accomplish, rather than just know what their assignments were. Which is to me, that's a that's a fairly substantial philosophical shift, uh, and one that that uh, you know I think is is generally speaking a good one. But they played Wink Martindale last week. And Wink, um, you know, brought his array of blitzes that really gave Lamar a lot of trouble. Uh, and and I I do miss Wink in a lot of ways in terms of what yeah. he brought to to uh, uh, an, a good adaptable week to week game plan and whatnot. Uh, Mike McDonald is a young guy. He's already had you know all kinds of crap thrown at him by Rex Ryan. Uh, uh, Rex is a, by the way, guy who has a. A lot, yeah, a lot of uh, animosity towards the Ravens uh, for for not being chosen as a head coach over Harbaugh in two thousand eight, and uh, uh, you know it. it uh, there, there was there was certainly some some a couple of two two biggest guys in the block. They were going to fight at some point. They got through two thousand eight when when Ryan had a fantastic year coaching defensively, and then uh, he had he really had to go, and he went to the Jets after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally understand. So it's. It's it's a shift, though. I, I, let me ask you this. Having not really consumed much All-22, I plan to over the next few days of what the Ravens do defensively. Is it, I mean, Wink is, you, you mentioned the pressure packages earlier, and it is it has always been a very, very unique defense that Wink put on the field and kind of got the Ravens known for this, right? This, it's an all-or-nothing approach. You're putting your guys on islands. You need DBs who can handle that, and all the approach mm-hmm. comes with a lot of risk. And, you know, we talked lately, I talked on your pod about the Browns uptick in man defense and what risk that can bring, but, you know, what made Wink so special was the blitz package stuff, how unique they were. And the Browns are nowhere near this unique uh, with what they're doing blitz wise. And Wink was special at that. So is it a complete shift away? Are they less mugging gaps and getting in your face? Are they more zone based and a little less close to the line of scrimmage? Like, I'm just curious if that total Ravens culture of defense, we kind of knew for the last five years or so is completely different now. What's let them let them down, honestly, is the dime defense. And you know, I with the whole off season said this is a team that basically will sit on teams uh, with a big lead, and they've had a big lead. They've you know led by twenty one, they led by 17, 10, 10. They've, they've created a lot of passing situations out of that, obviously, where you can have six defensive backs on the field. They have a bunch of vultures back there. Uh, you know, the, the first round draft at Hamilton has not played well, but they had Marcus Williams. He's out now with an injury. Uh, Chuck Clark is a is definitely a vulture in terms of of what he can do. Both cornerbacks and Humphrey and uh, uh, and Peters, and then also um, who am I forgetting here? Uh, there's another safety, uh, Geno Stone. Now who's taken the place mm, of Williams yeah. is also also a vulture. So I mean, I I think they should be built to basically. Um, shut down teams from from big comebacks. Uh, they like to have eyes in the backfield. They like to be a high turnover team, uh, and that just has not ended up working so far. And I guess it's relatively a small sample size. Hamilton has been a big part of the problem. Number, their number one overall draft pick at number fourteen. Um, it was an odd pick because it was against their need. And usually, when you get that, you just love that kind of a pick because you know they're getting a great value player at, yeah. at that point. If they go, if they go against what their obvious need is. But honestly, he he hasn't forced his way onto the field. 
So you know, there's some talk that Chuck Clark would give up the green dot to him. Uh, uh-uh, that's not happening. Um, he in, in a game against Miami, he was in totally the wrong place on the field uh, on a 60 yard uh, touchdown pass to Hill. He was up by the line of scrimmage. He was supposed to have deep left responsibility. I don't know how you make that mistake, but uh, it, it, it was what it was, and it cost him a touchdown there. Um, the PFF grade is is in a sense of kind of a lie about how well he's played. I don't think he's he's played particularly well at all, and uh, and he's been probably the biggest single factor on defense. If I had to if I had to point one, the other thing the Ravens have have really had a shortage of, and I don't know if you want to jump to this or you have other questions you want to uh, interject with, but the outside linebacker situation is miserable right now. Uh, they've been having a hard time even getting. Um, two or three healthy players for a single game that can play outside linebacker. And if you know the the Ravens of the past few years with Wink, they had a lot of three and four and even some five outside linebacker packages they would put on the yeah. on the field in pass rush situations. Yeah, let's dig in a little bit more on the defense. We'll we'll just kind of jump into it. There's still three four base. Am I right about that? Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. so still three four. We, you talked a little bit about Hamilton, and you know we should we should probably real quick reference the injury report because it does seem yeah. like the important pieces have been lost in, in Williams and some others who, who is, who are the big names that are out right now? And then we'll get to defense in just a second, but who are the big names that are out for maybe a bigger portion of the year or perhaps the whole year? And then who's sort of on the borderline for this week? Okay. It's a long list. So <laughs> lost for the year, Michael Pierce on the defensive line. Yeah, I think that's it. I'll go through one position at a time. Outside linebacker, Tyus Bowser and, uh, David Ajabo, who is a second round pick, are both now in the practice portal and may return. They're, they're showing his full practice. They may return as early as next week. I don't think they'll return this week. That'll be a huge relief because the loss of Bowser at Sam has been enormous. They've been having to play away out of position there, and that's really hurt him. Uh, if, if you if you go on, let's see. At inside linebacker, I don't think they've had any injuries, but they didn't really have anybody who was any good. So that's a that's a you know is what it is. Uh, Fuller has been injured. Uh, was one of the first injuries during the first game. Uh, Houston, I forgot to mention, is out. He's back practicing at least on a limited basis this week. So I'm hoping, you know, that the Ravens will probably get three outside linebackers back, if I had to guess, for the next game in Week Seven, but not get any back for this week. So that's a uh, that's something they they signed Devon Kennard uh, to try and patch that OLB group at safety. They lost Marcus Williams. Um, he says, they say he's not lost for the year. It's some sort of a dislocated wrist. There was surgery involved. Um, I don't know whether he's truly gone for the year or not, but it's, it's certainly bad on the, if I flip to the offensive side, you want me to do that now or wait, wait until later. Yeah, I'd say that's fine because there are some important pieces that look like have at least missed a little bit of practice and Andrews and Bateman's kind of pushing toward coming back. Right. Yeah. So Andrews is the big new development this week. Um, uh, ben Cleveland on the offensive line. Ronnie Stanley, of course, was out. He played 22 snaps uh, two games ago. In the last game, he played 50. Uh, he probably is ready to play a full game, and, and boy, the Ravens need that. He's the biggest domino of them all. When he's in there, the offensive line, honestly, is just fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, Morgan Moses, the right tackle, left the game with a heel injury, was replaced by McCary, who played okay. Um, so you have a uh, a, a problem at right tackle as well. They they were down to Daniel Fa'alele starting two games. Actually, he didn't start two games. He came in after six snaps, but he played two consecutive weeks, almost all the snaps at left tackle, and that that did not go well. I I, I still think he could be good, but he's a developmental tackle being thrown into the fire, uh, and that did not r- really go well. Um, and then who else is injured? Ben Cleveland, a foot injury I mentioned. 
uh, at running Rashad back. Rashad Bateman set to yeah. come back this week, you think? Or no? Yeah, uh, don't know. Um, he, I think he's been limited. So what I usually say is if the guy is full on a Wednesday, usually a good chance to be back. He's limited on a Wednesday. More likely than not, he won't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus Peters also, I didn't mention him. He was He's missed the last two days of practice. Yesterday was supposed to be rest. Today is something else. So uh, don't know, you know, what's happening there. Obviously, the Ravens uh, can't afford any more injuries and certainly can't afford an injury at cornerback at this point. And let's see, the, J.K. Dobbins returned and now he's out again. Uh, he got hurt in the in the Giants game. I, I would probably doubt that he'll play this week, but Gus Edwards should be back. Um, this is the week for Gus to return and and uh, and that should help. Uh, Kenyon Drake had a big game last week where he didn't do anything special in terms of, of breaking tackles. He just had a lot of huge gaping holes to run through and ran 119 on 10 carries. So uh, yeah. that, that was nice. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Yeah, so we'll tighten up the defense. You've talked about almost everybody at this point. I, I mean, kind of hit on maybe some people we haven't talked about the D line. Cause there's a lot of fun D line names, you know, Houston's kind of tilting a little bit, uh, whether he'll play or not, but you know, draft darling. I've said this for years to you. Matabuke is, is I'm yep. sure playing. I've seen some fun clips of him. Travis Jones was a huge, interesting name for the Browns this year, considering how bad their defensive tackle room. How's he playing? Calais still up to par. Like, what's that group looking like? So that's the, the Ravens' strongest group right now. I would have said safety at the beginning of the year was, and it's still that's still a strong group. But this the, the defensive line definitely the strongest. And I think it, this is a good week to get the Browns because the Browns don't play too much eleven personnel. Mm-hmm. And if you give the Ravens a chance to get three defensive linemen on the field, you're doing them a favor because you're effectively replacing a bad slot cornerback with a good defensive lineman. So even though you think you're you're getting bigger and and, and you're in a position where you can you can uh, push the uh, the Ravens around, which you know that obviously can happen on a play by play basis, the, the Ravens really get value from having three defensive linemen on the field and and not play a slot corner. Um, they've they've had. Okay, so going through some of the players, Travis Jones had his first sack in the last game, also a quarterback hit. Terrific breakout kind of game. Uh, expect a lot out of him, and he's the only nose they have left. So he's he's got to have a trial by fire. He's not going to get a limited playing time. Calais Campbell remains one of the team's best defensive players. He has been his entire tenure here, and, and so that's good. James Urban is a backup five tech who is here to give a few less uh, snaps for, for Campbell. Uh, who I'm missing? Matt Abike has has been terrific. Uh, his core strength is is really remarkable in terms of mm. penetrating, uh, ragdolling linemen, despite a fairly small frame. And I thought that might be a problem for him because he weighs 295, but he's shorter than uh, a Perry and Winfrey, who plays very high, for example, as you mentioned yeah. on my show. I'm not. I, I didn't come up with that. That's Jake's information. <laughs> uh, but but the. Uh, uh, he is a uh, he's a guy who is is very effective at moving people out of the way, penetrating in the backfield, and and he's taken over the, the primary three tech role. Gotcha. So inside guys, Patrick Queen is obviously a focal point, kind of mm-hmm. uh, tied to Jacob Phillips as teammates, and we you and I have gone back and forth. I think you've been down on him in the past. How's yeah. he looking this year? Who's he playing next to in their inside group? Well, Josh Bynes is back for the third his third stint with the Ravens. I always say Josh Bynes is like the Kaiser Soze. <laughs> of of uh, underperforming inside linebacker. So you have a guy, you, you basically tell him, look, you're not paying up to standard. That phone is right there. I can call up Josh Bynes. He could be here tomorrow. <laughs> so I think that there, you know, it'll be that spook story, you know, from the, from the movie. But, uh, but anyway, uh, Bynes has, has really played a little bit slower this year in terms of play speed than he has in the past. Uh, that was his, his real calling card was a slow guy who plays a lot faster than what he is. And so sad to see that um, he did have an interception. 
Queen's game is large has, has greatly improved over the last four weeks. And so I've been a Queen detractor, but you don't want to become wed to a position, certainly. Um, he's been in position for five turnovers the last four weeks. He converted two of them, but but he but he was in position for five. So he dropped two of three interceptions and he um and he recovered one fumble and failed to recover another. Actually, he caused one fumble and he failed to recover another. The the secondary stuff gets interesting to me. You mentioned, you know, on your, your, when I visited your show, you talked about Marcus Williams, who I thought the Browns were very interested, uh, especially interested in his services uh, after the 2020 season. But the, the franchise tag the Saints threw on him really threw them for a loop unexpected, and they panic signed John Johnson, who they used out of position for two years. His loss, super crippling. You mentioned that Geno Stone is in. What is that doing to them? And who plays nickel uh, with Fuller out? I would I'd be curious on that. Yeah, so they've, they've they've start with start with the safety. Actually, the drop off is not that great. Um, the mm-hmm. Williams to Geno Stone is is a pretty, uh, you know, if, if you're going to lose your 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 superstar safety, at least you got a pretty good player there as a backup. And Geno Stone would be probably starting for the bulk of NFL teams right now. Uh, he's a good player, and and he has. Uh, decent back-end rage. He has a, a true free safety look, plays his reads. And here's the, the thing I like, Jake, is, is he can play a loose or tight bracket or undercut a route as necessary. And so the Ravens had Deshaun Elliott previously, and he only had one, one way he'd do, and that's basically go to the rib section, go to the ribs of the intended receiver and try and dislodge the football. So I like the more patient spider types on the back end. Obviously, we had Ed Reed, and, and you know he fits into this class as well. But uh, Stone is that kind of a player. So, you know, he'll be lurking back there. And hopefully if there's an overthrow, he'll make a pick. If there's a tip, he might make a pick. And, and he can undercut a route as well. So I'm, I'm, I actually like him a lot. Um, and then you asked about the nickel position as well. And that's been the biggest problem for the Ravens is they haven't found that third cornerback they can put on the field. So the three things they have tried is they tried to put Jalen Armour Davis, their fourth round draft pick, on the field on the outside and move Humphrey to the slot. Now Humphrey is a fine slot cornerback because he could he could pretty much play anywhere, but you definitely lose something when you move Humphrey inside. It's just his skill set works much better, his physicality works much better on the outside. So I'm not enamored with that. And and the idea was that Armor Davis would be a guy who would replace Peters next year potentially if if Peters is a free agent. So you got to be at least prepared for that. But he hasn't played well. So in his in his little playing time, he's been benched. Uh, and then he's uh, been a healthy scratch the last two weeks, which is that is really bad. So uh, then the, the other guys they have, they have uh, Brandon Stevens, who is a guy they drafted as a do everything, safety corner, slot corner, outside corner guy. And he needs to find one single position that he's good at. I think it's outside corner is where he can help the team the most. But uh, it's not slot. I'm, I'm fairly sure of that. And he's had a lot of problems there. And he got benched once as well during the New England game. And then the guy they have who's the most slot-like of slot corners is Pepe Williams, Demarion Williams, uh, who is out of Houston, fourth-round pick. And he's uh, uh, he's played well at times, but uh, they seem to have found the secret sauce for beating him. It's anything where you cross the field basically really puts his length at a disadvantage. So he's about 5'9", five, 5'8". Five, five, um, and and he, I think he has better reach across the body of a receiver than you would normally see from a guy that size but it's still not enough on a crossing route. And, and he's had a lot of problems covering those. So lots of problems for the Ravens at that, at that nickel spot. Yeah. How the Browns attack some of that stuff. If you're, if you're referencing this idea that, that keeping defensive linemen off the field is the goal for 
teams playing Baltimore. I'm sure the Browns have to have that idea in mind a little bit. I know it goes against the grain of what they like to do and prefer to do under center, but you, you the Browns have actually been a really good gun run team, lateral gun run team, a lot of pin pull stuff. So mm-hmm. I would be fascinated to see if they try to manipulate uh, who's on the field for Baltimore and try to do some of that stuff. Not a, not a true inside zone team by any stretch. They, they are almost uncomfortable running inside zone, but they can, they can run outside stuff pretty well. And they introduced a little counter wrinkle where they're sort of selling lateral running back movement and then yep. putting the feet in the ground on three and coming back same side uh, for new England. I don't know if they'll, they'll throw that. It wasn't all too great, but new England's pretty dang physical up front and shut it out. So uh, that, that, but again, that sort of, uh, chess match will be interesting to see how they manipulate personnel uh, especially so yeah the the marlon humphrey situation you're talking about where it's like he can play inside but it's probably not best suited for that it sounds very similar to what the browns are doing with greg newsom where they just don't really have a nickel guy they like they let go of troy hill and send him back to la for a pick and it was an interesting decision to me because it takes a guy away from doing what the more valuable stuff is a guy who's very talented away from you know, the outside corners are a for the player where you make the most money eventually if you play well. Right. Mm-hmm. And just a wildly important position. And Newsom was pretty good at it last year. So the shift to bring him inside is among many Browns defense decisions been pretty strange to me. So a lot of parallels there, but yeah, that side of the football will be fun to watch. And I know I'll be keyed in on what makes this defense really look different from what Wink did because of so long. I just did studied a lot of what wink did and it was so unique so should be fascinating we're going to take a quick break and then when we return we're going to dig into the ravens offense which uh you know nobody nobody likes to see lamar in first energy stadium the way he plays so we got to prepare for that a little bit we'll be right back no house advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform today playing pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning 250k in cash alone download the app choose a contest select your player props earn points for correct picks and climb your leaderboard for a shot to win big money every single day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player props, even those over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up with this promo code, which is very simply for the fans of this podcast, OBR, Use that promo code OBR at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the App Store and get a first deposit match up to $25. So again, promo code OBR. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Again, that promo code OBR, nohouseadvantage.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use indeed the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. 
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, so talk to me about Lamar, right? Big year, contract year. We don't have to go into any of the contract stuff. I know you and I talked about it on your show. So if you're interested in Ken's take and my take on the contract stuff, which I thought that was a pretty good part of our show, oh, go yeah. listen to Ken's podcast on that side. But for this one, I want to focus on how he's playing this year. Last year, a lot of injuries, was beat up. Was The whole team was, but he was also beat up. And I, I don't take very serious the, the stuff production-wise last year, even though he was still carrying them to a lot of wins. But by the end of the year, you could just see it taking its toll on him. How is he doing this year? And talk to me about the fourth quarter struggles, which are pretty well documented at this point. Right. So uh, that, that's certainly true. He's had a lot of fourth quarter struggles. He's had some uh, problems securing the football again, uh, both in terms of fumbles and in terms of interceptions where he's had, I think he's got one per game. So he might have six right now. Uh, yeah, that's not where he wants to be. Uh, he's taken some, some, Big unnecessary chances under pressure, which I think is something the Browns probably look at in terms of how they want to get after him, uh, and uh, and and find ways to pressure him as opposed to to maybe spying him. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. both are both are reasonable options, but uh, but you know, what do you want to do? Um, I, I think that um, uh, you know the the run game with Lamar has been back to where you hope it is these last couple of weeks, and even for the season now. I mean, all of a sudden the Ravens are rush, rushing for six yards per carry for the year. And believe me, it didn't seem that way for the first three or four weeks with all the troubles they had at running back. They had, in fact, if you went out to DeVoa uh, on Football Outsiders, they had the two worst each for their carry group of running backs mm. in the entire league in terms of Mike Davis, who is now not playing at all. He'll be one of the first guys cut. And the, and the second guy was uh, Kenyon Drake, who was terrible in his first couple of games and, you know, something like minus 40 yards relative to expectation. But uh, but since then, you know, Drake is now up to 5.9 yards a carry and Lamar's at roughly eight yards a carry and and the team is up to you know 595 or so, which is half a yard better than anybody else. Um, the offensive line with with Stanley back is a lot of that, um, that that uh, he's just a, an enormous asset in terms of the run game, also in terms of the pass game, but in terms of the run game. Uh, what I want to see is I want to see Lamar have a really good game in good weather with Stanley back, you know, hopefully with Stanley back for the whole time. They had a great synergy uh, because Stanley is a guy who gives up slow death pressure 
And a few years ago, PFF puts out some funny numbers, but they they had a uh, number from 2019 that gave up some very small number of pressures. Well, I chart those things as well, and I had a much higher number. And I think the difference is between a two and a half and three second standard. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, pressures that come in at that point. Lamar is actually very adept at having with having a good left tackle who mirrors well and doesn't allow him to be hit directly um, at dealing with a bump or dealing with close proximity on that blind side. He'll move around the pocket. He does some really positive things. So having Stanley back there should make him feel a lot more secure. Uh, and that really should improve his passing game. It just, we, we got to see it happen at this point. Um, some people have questioned whether Lamar has some sort of injury. He did have one practice where he wore a sleeve. And I will just say we've returned to some things that don't look quite right. He's missed some long balls and he's missed some wide open short balls. So oftentimes those come on a rollout where, you know, the guy's 15 yards in front of him and Bruce Arians was calling a game at one point. He said uh, he, he had a wide open pass and he tried to hand it to him. That's, that's the, that's the <laughs> thing he uses yeah. and he comes up short. So anyway, I, I, I want to see some of those problems clean up. Yeah. He's, he's still, man, he's still so dynamic and he brings so much to the table that you almost like most of these big time quarterbacks, you find yourself picking them apart just to pick a, we know what's wrong with them, but uh, he's still playing at elite level and he always gives the Browns hell. It, it just is his nature. So um, never, we never like to see him come into Cleveland, uh, especially where he's had his most recent trip to Cleveland where he had to use the restroom, right? I think that was it. Or was it one before that? I can't remember the restroom uh, game. <laughs> it might've been no, one before the last one. He got hurt in the last one, didn't he? I think he, he did. He got hurt in white JOK in the, in the yeah. last one there. So that wasn't good. And the restroom was the, was a classic. Yeah. It was a classic one indeed. Um, yeah, yeah. So you talked a little bit about the running backs. Did you mention Dobbins? Is, what's going on there? I know he's working his way back, but I heard some knee stiffness stuff there. Later. Yeah. So they, they, they went to the Meadowlands for the second time this year, and that is a terrible place to pull. Oh, the, the, yeah. the turf there is well known for not only being slippery, which forces you to wear different cleats and whatnot, but, but also has, you know, has created a fair number of injuries. So Dobbins uh, came up limping on one play. They pulled him out. And he st- stood on the sideline with his helmet on the rest of the game. I think it's the kind of thing where he said, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go, coach. But, you know, they said, no, hold on. We're not putting you back in after that happened. Uh, and and they you know, tried to get through the rest of the game as they did. And Kenyon Drake at least had a, had a big game in relief uh, there. So, so it, uh, it, it kind of worked out. But uh, he's, he's very important to the Ravens. I mean, they have they, – Ravens, because of who Lamar is, really need good stylistic fits to – spread the defense along the line of scrimmage horizontally. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of teams want to spread vertically. They want to have deep threats who take the cover off. And, they, and, and you know, the Ravens do some of that, obviously, to get Lamar some scrambling opportunities. But what they do primarily with their run game is spread the field horizontally. So they have a few tricks that go into this directly. One is counter. And you'll see probably, I don't know how many counters we had this last game, but I can go by the number of tackle pulls. Give me a second. We had eight pulls from tackles. So it's eight counter plays they had in, in this game alone. Um, they do a lot of jet motion. Uh, it's usually Devin Duvernay, but it could be somebody else. Uh, it could be Demarcus Robinson or somebody else where they're showing a speedy player than you have to react to. Um, and they, uh, they go out a sidecar, which threatens the opposite side with speed. So if you have a speed back, you can do that third thing. If you don't have a speed back, you're severely limited in terms of that. And the Ravens have had problems keeping speed backs healthy. So uh, Dobbins, a, a more of an all-around guy, he's really a low-power um, contact balance runner, more than a more than a pure speed guy. 
Uh, but he gives the he gives the Ravens a lot of kind of everything they need. Uh, they really need to have a Justice Hill who might be back this week um, uh, in there to really spread the line of scrimmage. And that's that has forced a lot of defenses to run out of position and create opportunities up the middle for Lamar. So if you think back to 2019, Lamar was really a guy who would always be running towards the sideline out of pistol because yeah. he was he's an outside threat. Now he's a, he's exclusively a middle threat. He always pretty much runs middle and they try and get people moved to the sideline. And, and that's worked out pretty well for them. Yeah, fascinating, uh, especially considering some of those elements that they need. They need those guys to bring in that in that run game stuff. So talk talk O-line. I guess we should do, you know, tight end and wide out. Fill me in on on who's catching the fl- I know Andrews is special. You talk he might may may not play this weekend, but it seems like he will. Like what's been the plan of attack without Bateman and what's that looking like? Well, Bateman was a huge loss. He's the only wide receiver who brings much to the table. Devin Duvernay been playing way over his head. He kind of came back to earth against the Giants with five targets for 14 yards. So that didn't, that really didn't, uh, uh, wasn't good. They've been playing Demarcus Robinson as the backup X, and that really has not worked out. They need Bateman back. Bateman has been over 11 yards per target this year. If he continued at the same pace, to put this in uh, perspective, it would be the Ravens' record for a single season. And mm-hmm. that's despite, you know, he's had a pretty frustrating year in terms of some drops and whatnot as well, but he's also had some big plays. So I think he really needs to be back uh, ASAP for the, for the Ravens passing game to, to recover in a big way. Uh, in terms of the tight ends, the Ravens play the heaviest formations in modern football history. They, they play 2.3 roughly heavies per play. Nobody has been anywhere near this in the last six years, for which I've got data from the Sharp site. Uh, I could probably go back and do more years than that, but my guess is it's been decades since anybody has played as heavy formations. But the the, the 2.3 is the sum of sixth offensive linemen, tight ends, and fullbacks per play. And, you know, they've run out 14 personnel about six times this year, I want to say. So you yeah. don't see that very often. And, uh, no, that's crazy. So looking, looking beyond that, um, you know, you're talking about the heavy personnel stuff. So if, if, mm-hmm. If they if they do a lot of the like Cleveland's coverage has been an issue, so I think what'll be interesting is how they attack coverage. Like who, who who's the guys? Duvernay the guy if if Bateman's out? Like is that who they're going to try to push down the field? Like who's the vertical threat that could that could really threaten Cleveland? The, the, some of the stuff that they've had in cover three and cover four have been so rough. So I'm just kind of curious who you think would be that guy. Um, they have a Z and Duvernay who's pretty good, but he's he's yeah. definitely a flanker. They, they're going to play him off the line of scrimmage, so they have the motion opportunity with him. And they've been playing Demarcus Robinson at X in place of Bateman, so it, you know it, that's a big drop off. Some some yeah. places, Gina Marcus Williams to Geno Stone, not too much. You know that, that Bateman to Demarcus Robinson is big. So if they if they uh, you know find a way to uh, uh, sorry, th- those are the two guys who run most of the deep routes. Um, Andrews, his big thing is the hive mind he's got with Lamar that basically he has free will to go to any space, not just the designated sideline spots on a rollout where Lamar is in trouble. And Lamar really loves to throw back to the middle of the field. It's hurt him some, but it also has created some enormous play. So that's that's, uh, what he does. Isaiah Likely, a new guy from Coastal Carolina, a fourth round pick. Uh, is a pure receiver. He's not really a blocking tight end. And in fact, if you look at when he's on the field, you can bet it's going to be a pass. It's oftentimes it's a passing down, so they're not really giving away a tell, but very high probability of it being a pass when when he's in there. And on the other hand, Josh Oliver has probably been the biggest surprise. He's been a good blocking tight end who's had a few catches. And the, the big surprise is, though, even though Nick Boyle is active and you know they're paying him a lot of money, 
uh, Oliver is taking all the snaps. He's outsnapped him 89 to nine the last mm-hmm. four weeks. I guess what I would say is the question is, is do you feel like they're, they're a better throwing team this year than they've been in years past, especially not without Bateman, but I just curious if they've taken, I think the big thing for them and why some of the pressure has been uh, on this offense. And, and I think there's, you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but Greg Roman's been under the microscope a lot is they just have not developed concepts to throw the football field down the field. And that's kind of been a frustrating point for some analysts and stuff like that. So do you feel like they're in better shape throwing the football than they have been? Or do you still feel sort of like they're just, they're frustratingly simple in that phase? I mean, it's a fair criticism. It's also, you know, the true nature of their team in terms of the talent they have. So they've gotten Duvernay free for some long plays. Bateman's 75 yard touchdown was like a seven yard slant pass with 68 of yak. So that wasn't, that wasn't really a, you know, a big, uh, uh, individual, uh, you know, get, get free deep kind of thing, get free behind the defense. Um, it, it's definitely a legitimate point that they do not threaten the field the same way vertically that they threaten it horizontally. Mm. So that's, that's, it's a different way of playing offense. It has worked for the Ravens in 19 and 20. It did not work for the Ravens in 21. Obviously a lot of that being Lamar out, but the, I mean, the 2019 Ravens were historically good offense, 3.08 points per drive. They dropped off a little bit in 2020, but still, if they return to what their average was over those two seasons, which I think was about 265, and that's where they are right now, then that's going to be plenty good enough for the Ravens, or it should be, for them to lean on other teams in terms of their defense. It just hasn't worked out so far. Who... um... We'll close O-line because this this is the group that always is moving things. You talked about Stanley uh, coming back, perhaps playing a full game this week. You always you and I, Linderbaum, the rookie, is an interesting player. So picked apart in the process, wondering how he's playing. And then, you know, Zeitler's still around, obviously, former connection to Cleveland. So so how's that group looking uh, this year in terms of – because they're so important to what they do, so so vitally important. Sure. Zeitler's the easiest one to describe. He's been fine. Uh, you know, B, B minus season so far across the board. He's very consistent week to week, uh, very much like Yonda in in that regard. There's not a lot. He did give up a straight up sack to Dexter Lawrence this last week, uh, but it was really his only bad play in the game. So his, his, his grade with me was still pretty high. Uh, so that was, uh, th- that takes care of Zeitler. Linderbaum has had, I mean, it was projected right away that his his problem was going to be his physical limitations, that he's a, he's a short-armed guy, which there have been some recent centers in the first round who have not worked out who had exactly that characteristic, Garrett Bradbury, uh, Billy Price in the division. Uh, and there's one other who I'm, I'm forgetting right now. But, but anyway, those guys, obviously, you know, it didn't work out. Other longer-arm guys have been fine. But that's not the be-all, end-all, because he's also a smallish guy. You know, he's under probably under 300 pounds for a playing weight. You know, you can't go by what's in the in the program exactly. Um, but he's very quick. And I think he brings something different in terms of how the Ravens can run the football. And you're seeing you go to PFF or someplace, you'll see really bad pass blocking grades. I can confirm that from my own scoring. His, his pass blocking has been terrible uh, in particular this last week. Um, uh, by the way, this is one thing it really just I don't know infuriates me to a certain degree. They'll often, you know, somebody will put out something about the number of sacks allowed by a center. I'll just say it's very rare that a center ever allows a sack on a straight up play. Very, very rare. And a lot of these systems, they won't hand out partial sacks to, to, to give it to player, but he's, he has been um, uh, guilty so far uh, of some contributions to sacks. So uh, it, I, I, I am hopeful that given the size of the other players, 
he really gives the Ravens something different in terms of being a speedy guy who can get out in level two and add things to the, to the offense that they don't currently have. That's usually a good thing, right? You bring characteristics that don't otherwise exist at, at a company. Say, if you're going there, look for, look for what you do well and, and, and uh, what you can bring to a new company. If you're looking for a job, always something you should, you should probably do. Um, he didn't have a choice because of the, the NFL draft, of course, but I think he does bring <laughs> new things to the Ravens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you, you want to hear about Ronnie Stanley as well? Yeah, let's finish with that. Wrap, wrap, uh, wrap on Ronnie because he's so important, and that injury was so weird. Yeah, it's, so he's been out for a long time. Uh, so injured mid twenty twenty in a game against Pittsburgh. It was just a couple days after he signed his uh, big contract extension. Didn't make it back that year, and we didn't expect him to because there was surgery involved. Had a setback in the surgery. Tried to come back for the for the first game of two thousand twenty one. He was terrible, and so he 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 had more surgery done, and I don't know how many times. I can't. I just can't tell you that. Uh, I, I don't think they would tell us, but at least once more since then. And then he came back um, in week five, excuse me, played 22 snaps, played very well. And then I think they had planned for him to, to have a, well, I know they had planned for him not to play all the snaps at the Meadowlands because they replaced him with McCary on the third um, series. But then McCary, sorry, not McCary, Morgan Moses got hurt and McCary had to move to right tackle. So, you know, he was thrust into this. Uh, role where he played the entire game. He played quite well. Uh, one pressure allowed, two-thirds of a sack um, as I scored it. So, uh, you know, good game for Ronnie. And and I think he, a lot of the things we're seeing, particularly on the backside of run plays, he's a very special player there in terms of, of being a rare tackle who can contribute on the backside of run play. Does not cut block, but he will get out to level two, block a block a corner or a safety. And we talked a little bit about this on, on my show is, you know, those are the kind of blocks that turn a 10-yard run into 30. So you want your left tackle being actively out there in space looking for work. And Ronnie does very well with that. Good stuff overall, Ken. Really, really great insight, man, that we appreciate so much. How, how are you feeling about this one? Like, just kind of give me your general inclination of what you think of the Browns and what you think Baltimore's chances are coming into Cleveland here. Yeah, I, I mean, I probably would have said I, I liked it about as much as the spread was earlier in the week. But with this, these injury reports, I don't think I like it as much at all anymore in terms of the Ravens' chance to to win this. So they were – last I heard they were six-and-a-half-point favorites. But, you know, um, realistically, playing at home, four-and-a-half seems about right to me right now. Yeah, probably probably does. Should It should be a good game. I mean, Cleveland probably needs to get away from their home crowd at this point. I mean, mm-hmm. not to be completely transparent with the energy around them. Uh, the way they have dropped some games at home this year. So should be fascinating, Ken. We appreciate your time. Again, if you're looking for my perspective on Ken's show, find that film Study Baltimore. You can check that out on his pod, another Blue Wire podcast, as we keep adding great additions to the Blue Wire uh, roster. And Ken is one of the best doing it. So, man, listen, Ken, we appreciate your time so much. Oh, Jake, you spent a lot more time on my show and really appreciate the thorough uh, uh, background you give me. And there is no one else I'd, I'd uh, like to talk Browns with any more than you, my friend. I appreciate that, Ken. We will keep having Ken on as long as he's willing to come on my show and likewise on the other side of things as we will do this year after year. So uh, always good to get, you know, get the history of like these conversations and where these teams are moving. It's really great. And uh, I'm sure we'll try to connect with Ken, kind of refresh this thing later in the year and see where both teams are when I think they get together. You know, I actually haven't really looked at the schedule to see when they get together again. It looks like probably week 15 is when I see it. Yeah, so we will December. check in. Yeah, a late one there to see where both teams are at that point is the Browns will have a different quarterback then, and who knows where they'll be sitting. And um, Yeah, so it should be fun. Ken, thanks for your time. We appreciate his time. We appreciate you guys stopping by. 
listening to this podcast, continuing to do so every day. Even when the team is not as fun as you hope they are, you guys continue to show up. I appreciate that. We'll be back tomorrow for your Sunday morning podcast preview with Brad Ward, so keep an eye on that. Appreciate you once again. Continue to stay safe, be well, and go Browns.